How far would you go to be cured of a sickness? For some, seeking answers means traveling the world to find someone who can help. But at what cost? Enjoy Miracle Healers, a four-part series from the podcast Cults, and meet figures from around the globe who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. A hospital in Tbilisi, Georgia, March 1989. Lesia Yershova was prepped on an operating table. Surgeons and nurses surrounded her, readying their scalpels and lancets. But there was one doctor noticeably missing, the anesthesiologist. It was intentional, though. Yershova was unable to use anesthesia. Instead, she planned to sedate herself with the alleged healing powers of psychotherapist Anatoly Kashparovsky. The popular Ukrainian TV healer claimed he could block any pain during her abdominal surgery. He assured her it would feel no worse than a mosquito bite. It was a giant leap of faith for Yershova, but she had reason to believe him. Millions of Soviets swore by his methods. Kasparovsky insisted that he could cure illnesses and pain with only two tools, a television screen and his mind. And so, hospital orderlies rolled a TV into Yershova's operating room. Throughout the surgery, the monitor would broadcast Kasparovsky live from the Ukraine via video link. Yershova, still fully conscious, stared at the screen while the healer declared, You have no pain from your stomach to your spine. But that was far from true. As the doctor made the first incision, Yershova clenched her teeth through the agony. She hoped Kasparovsky's healing powers would kick in at any second. But they never did. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a Spotify original from Parcast. This is the first episode in a four-part special about miracle healers. Over the next four weeks, we'll take a look at four different figures from around the world, all who claim to have healing powers. Behind their alleged remedies, though, are falsehoods, manipulations, and even deaths. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we look at Ukrainian psychotherapist Anatoly Kasparovsky, who led hypnotic TV healing sessions in the late 1980s and 90s, and who's still allegedly healing the masses on his hit YouTube channel. Despite multiple controversies, Kasparovsky's career always manages to bounce back, which is more than we can say for his patients. Whether or not his healing sessions actually work, Kasparovsky is an expert at giving the people what they want, hope even when it might come at the expense of the medical care they need. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. In the late 1980s, Ukrainian faith healer Anatoly Kasparovsky rocketed to stardom across the Soviet Union. He wasn't the first of his kind. Mystics like him are actually a significant part of Russian culture, dating back almost a century. In fact, the country's obsession with faith healers can be traced back to one of Russia's most controversial figures, Grigory Rasputin. 
In 1908, Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra were searching Imperial Russia for someone, anyone who could help cure their son. Alexei was the sole heir to the throne, but for years he'd been experiencing painful hemophilia. He bled profusely and his blood failed to clot. Doctors were no help. The royal family had almost given up hope until they heard about a 39-year-old peasant and supposed mystic healer. His name was Rasputin. Nicholas II and Alexandra recruited the enigmatic man to their son's bedside. Through the night, Rasputin prayed with Alexei, and soon the bleeding stopped. The deeply religious couple called Rasputin a man of God. They started to believe faith and prayer worked better than medicine. But was that really the case? Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. While it's impossible to prove scientifically whether miracles exist or not, the evidence isn't in prayer's favor. A 2006 study in the American Heart Journal examined how prayers affected the outcome of cardiac bypass surgeries. Surprisingly, patients who knew others prayed for them had a 7% higher rate of complications. This study concluded that intercession had no effect on outcome or recovery. So, while Tsar Nicholas' son was healed after Rasputin's visit, it probably wasn't because of the power of prayer. It's more likely that the boy actually healed because Rasputin banned doctors from treating him further. According to the Irish Times, the physicians were probably dislodging Alexei's blood clots by accident, which only exacerbated his condition. Without their misguided treatment, the child was able to fully heal. After Rasputin's supposed miracle, though, Nicholas and Alexandra believed that maybe the mystic could fix more than illnesses. Perhaps Rasputin could help mend their crumbling empire. Soon, the mystic peasant became one of Nicholas and Alexandra's most trusted advisors. Unfortunately, Rasputin's advice couldn't fix everything that was wrong in Russia. Workers were facing terrible working conditions, high food prices, and fuel shortages. World War I was looming, and Tsar Nicholas was becoming more unpopular by the day. Working-class Russians resented the Romanovs for ignoring their suffering and for trusting a mystic peasant instead. In 1917, the descent culminated in the Russian Revolution. Bolsheviks overthrew the monarchy, and soon the Soviet Union was born. One of the first orders of business for the Socialist Republic was abolishing religion. In fact, they tried to establish state atheism. The USSR's first leader, Vladimir Lenin, wanted citizens to serve only one higher power, communism. Religion wasn't entirely outlawed. But the government closed theological schools, jailed high-ranking clergy, and shuttered thousands of churches. Citizens who wanted to practice any kind of faith had to do so underground. And it continued like that for decades. But by the 1980s, Lenin was long gone and the socialist regime was struggling. Once again, the Soviet people were experiencing food rationing and supply shortages. Medical care was difficult to come by and of poor quality. Faith in communism was at an all-time low. And since the population couldn't publicly turn to religion for comfort, Russians found hope in something else. Television. 
For decades, Soviet TV had been highly regulated by the government, but in 1986, Mikhail Gorbachev introduced a new policy, glasnost, or transparency and openness. In addition to introducing freedom of speech, it suddenly allowed TV hosts and producers, rather than the government, to control on-air content. Soon, the USSR's state-run channels were filled with shows about disasters, crime, and UFO landings. But in 1988, some of the most popular programs featured faith healers and mystics. There were numerous practitioners at the time who claimed to heal suffering through the screen. Eventually, a favorite among them emerged, a 50-year-old Ukrainian doctor with piercing eyes and a soothing voice. His name was Anatoly Kashparovsky. Unlike other healers, he had a legitimate medical degree, but his background was anything but conventional. Born in 1939 in a small town in Ukraine, Kashparovsky was always an overachiever. He dreamed of becoming a lawyer, but his parents didn't approve. They urged him to be a doctor instead. Disappointed yet determined, Kashparovsky graduated from medical school in 1961 to please them. He then earned a PhD in medical sciences and focused on psychotherapy. For the next 20 or so years, he was content to work as a psychologist, but then he began to crave something deeper. Kashparovsky wanted to better understand his patients and be better equipped to help them, and that desire sparked his interest in hypnosis. It's not something many doctors would choose as an added practice, but Kashparovsky believed it would increase his connection with people. Explaining this choice years later on his website, he wrote, A psychotherapist must not only have medical knowledge, but he must be well-versed in people and know life. Using hypnosis, Kashparovsky claimed to perform miracles in the hospital. His specialty became guiding patients through surgery without anesthesia. But before this, Kashparovsky's most phenomenal healing feat wasn't one performed on his patients. It was on himself. In 1975, Kashparovsky suffered from severe pancreatitis and spent a year in a Ukrainian hospital with little hope for survival. Expecting to die soon, he traveled to Sakhalin, a remote Russian island north of Japan. According to author David Remnick, Kashparovsky wanted to live out his final days on the remote island, wandering like John the Baptist. The biblical figure survived on locusts and honey, but Kashparovsky opted to eat one cookie a day instead. Rather than dying, Kashparovsky made a miraculous recovery. He credited his comeback to his hunger. It's unclear if he was referring to the cookies or his new zest for life. The story seemed unlikely and bizarre, but he stood by it and returned from Sakhalin reinvigorated. Publicly, he continued working as a psychologist with hypnosis on the side, and then he got his big break. In 1987, the Olympic weightlifting team hired Kashparovsky as their team doctor. While a psychologist may seem like an odd choice for the role, Kashparovsky had a background in weightlifting, and Russians believe that psychology played a big role in an athlete's physical performance. The team was expected to do well, but they surpassed all Soviet hopes. They won six gold medals at the 1988 Summer Olympics. Of course, Kashparovsky took much of the credit. It seemed like he had another miracle under his belt. Soon, Kashparovsky was one of the USSR's most famous physicians. 
But his real moment was still to come. Despite Russia's Olympic triumph, the Soviet Union was falling apart. Eastern Bloc countries were on the verge of declaring independence. The Communist Party needed to bolster morale among their citizens. There were various solutions offered, but one in particular stood out, using state-run TV to console the country. But who could both comfort the masses and distract them from the news? There was no one better than the nation's favorite doctor, Anatoly Kasparovsky. The psychotherapist made his primetime TV debut on March 31, 1988, in what he called a televised seance. Dressed in all black and sporting his distinct black Caesar cut, Kasparovsky sat on a large stage in front of a studio audience. A piano medley played in the background. He began his hypnotic TV special with a simple request, pour yourself a glass of water. Then he stared into the camera making bold promises in a threatening yet reassuring tone. He claimed that this session would cure people with high blood pressure, chronic pain, and hip injuries. He promised that even those who were healthy would feel better than before. And to quell any skeptics, he assured them it was okay if they didn't feel anything at all. The closest he came to explaining the process was when he said in a press conference, the aim is to tap the inner resources of the body. Everything depends on biochemical changes. How those changes occurred, though, was never clear. At the end of the show, Kasparovsky instructed viewers to drink a glass of water, claiming it had continued the healing until the next session. But when his fellow doctors watched the program, they didn't believe the hype. Independent Psychiatric Association President Yuri Savenko slammed Kasparovsky's program, calling it propaganda. He claimed that the Communist Party was using Kasparovsky to distract the public from its failing infrastructure. The backlash, however, did nothing to damage Kasparovsky's reputation. According to David Remnick's book, Lenin's Tomb, The Last Days of the Soviet Empire, while doctors criticized Kasparovsky, the public couldn't get enough of him. In 1990, he was named Man of the Year in several newspapers. Bolstered by this encouragement, Kasparovsky decided to get into politics. Up next, Kasparovsky takes his powers to a dangerous new arena. Now back to the story. In 1988, Soviet healer Anatoly Kasparovsky hosted what he called a healing seance on the Soviet Union state's TV. Citizens were entranced. After the special aired, Kasparovsky claimed he received thousands of letters from people who were allegedly cured. If this is true, it may have been influenced by the fact that Soviets were pre-programmed to believe whatever was on TV. According to Russian journalist Katya Merzina, People were convinced by Kasparovsky because the Communist Party approved everything broadcast on state TV. Citizens took whatever was aired at face value. But the USSR's own medical experts knew better. One of Kasparovsky's most prominent critics, Yuri Savenko, claimed that the seances had caused psychotic episodes. He even called for an investigation. But the government turned a blind eye. At that point, Kasparovsky had high-level support from the ruling Communist Party and its Ministry of Health. And with that approval, Soviet state TV greenlit more Kasparovsky seances. 
As the seances aired, his audience exploded. Eventually, Kasparovsky had as many as 300 million viewers in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. Thousands of people claimed that Kasparovsky had cured them of everything from hair loss to bedwetting to paraplegia. His specials became must-see TV, to the point where the streets were often empty when he was on the air. Despite his supposed miracles and blockbuster ratings, the healer claimed that Soviet TV never paid him, so he took his show on the road to cash in on his fame through ticket sales and merchandise. Just like a rock star, he started to book concert halls and football stadiums. But to really take his fame to the next level, he would have to pull a more dramatic stunt. He found his opportunity in March of 1989, when Lesya Yershova reached out for help. She needed to have abdominal surgery, but she was allergic to traditional anesthesia. Yershova wanted him to eliminate her pain during surgery by staring at her via a TV screen in the operating room. It was a risky arrangement, but if it was successful, it would make history. Kasparovsky made Yershova a big promise. After the surgery, he'd take her on a world tour to advertise this revolutionary method. But that promise never materialized. Eight months later, in November of 1989, Yershova exposed the truth to the Russian newspaper Literaturnaya Gazeta. She told the publication that she felt intense pain throughout the entire surgery, especially during the 40-centimeter incision made in her abdomen. She claimed that she smiled through the agony because she didn't want to let Kasparovsky down. But after the procedure, Yershova experienced even more pain than before, and Kasparovsky never even took her on the world tour as promised. Kasparovsky slammed the accusations on the show Good Evening Moscow. He claimed that Yershova just wanted revenge for being left out of his tour. As for her pain and symptoms, he claimed they were pure coincidences. Still, the bombshell threatened to ruin Kasparovsky's burgeoning career, and it was already a tumultuous time. Just two years later, the Soviet government would collapse. In December of 1991, Russia became an independent state. The new government abolished the Communist Party, and as part of their sweeping reforms, they also banned faith healers and mystics from TV in 1994. The government specifically canceled Kasparovsky's show because authorities found that the suicide rate increased after his seances. In a few short years, the healer lost his enablers and his political support. His seances had been exposed as dangerous, or worse, as fraud. And to add insult to injury, his wife even filed for divorce. Many people in Kasparovsky's position might have retired from the spotlight and given up, but once again, he decided to reinvent himself. Even though his television show was gone, he still had millions of loyal followers. For Russia's fledgling political parties, Kasparovsky's legions of followers weren't only a highly suggestible audience, they were millions of potential voters, and that made the healer a valuable ally. One party especially had its eye on Kasparovsky, the LDP, or the Liberal Democratic Party, the name, however, was misleading. The LDP was actually a xenophobic, ultra-nationalist group that wanted to eliminate democracy and restore the Russian Empire. While Kasparovsky didn't necessarily subscribe to their politics, he seemingly wanted to ally himself with their rise to power. In 1993, the LDP asked Kasparovsky to run for a deputy position in the parliament's lower house, the State Duma. 
He agreed to do it because he said he knew what the people wanted. The press called him a modern-day Rasputin, a mystic who weaseled his way into Russian public affairs. Because of his fame, Kasparovsky didn't even have to campaign. In December of 1993, he won the deputy seat effortlessly. As part of the job, Kasparovsky received a lavish Moscow apartment, a computer, and free health care. But he didn't seem to care about doing any actual work. During Parliament's opening session, Kasparovsky was conspicuously absent. He was all the way in New York, promoting his faith healing to former Soviets in the U.S. Missing his first day of work was bad press. Kasparovsky needed a miracle to get back in the public's good graces, something similar to his Yershova stunt. He finally got that golden opportunity in June of 1995, when Chechen terrorists overtook a hospital in southern Russia and held 1,600 people hostage. The stakes were high, and all cameras were focused on the crisis. So Kasparovsky set off immediately. When he arrived at the command center, he offered to negotiate with a Chechen leader via hypnosis. Authorities were skeptical that Kasparovsky could help, but eventually they allowed it. While it's unclear if he actually tried to hypnotize the hostage takers, according to Kasparovsky, he did enter the hospital and act as a liaison for the negotiators. Sadly, the six-day crisis ended with at least 100 people dead. Kasparovsky blamed the Russian president for the failure, but many voters likely blamed him and other members of parliament. In the December 1995 election, two-thirds of the State Duma deputies lost their seats, including Kasparovsky. Much like Rasputin before him, politics were the mystic's downfall. Along with his deputy job, he lost all its perks, including the free apartment, health care, and computer. But Kasparovsky wasn't one to give up easily. For a while, he refused to leave his lavish Moscow apartment, and even threatened to cast a spell of impotency on anyone who tried to evict him. It's unclear how long he stayed, but by 1996, there were rumors that he had not only left his apartment, but moved all the way to the U.S. For the next few years, he held regular faith healing events in New York. Former Soviets still flocked to him for his remedies. Meanwhile, after Vladimir Putin became president in 2000, he began encouraging faith healers and public belief in the occult. Mystics were once again free to practice on Russian TV, leading to a New Age renaissance. The man behind this decision likely wasn't Putin himself, but his first deputy chief, Vladislav Surkov. As the architect of Putin's strategy, Surkov developed Russia's dangerous post-truth politics, where misinformation trumped facts. Now that Surkov influenced what was on TV, he could fill the airwaves with propaganda and distractions, just as the Soviets had done in the 1980s. Once again, outrageous paranormal programs about UFOs, psychics, and faith healing flooded Russian TV. The popularity of this kind of content was helped along by Russia's 2008 recession. With double-digit inflation, plummeting stocks, and declining currency, the country was starting to look a lot like it did in the 1980s, when Kasparovsky was at the height of his fame. It all set the stage for Kasparovsky's big comeback. In 2009, the 70-year-old psychotherapist re-emerged to host a TV show about paranormal investigations. And this second wave of his career would flourish like never before. 
thanks to a newer technology, the Internet. Coming up, Kosh Perovsky claims he can cure COVID-19 through YouTube. Now back to the story. In 2009, Ukrainian faith healer Anatoly Kosh-Porovsky made his comeback on Russian TV. It wasn't a coincidence that he came back into the spotlight after the 2008 financial crisis. Much like the Soviet Glasnost era, the Great Recession had thrown Russia into uncertainty. And like it or not, Kosh-Porovsky was the nation's comforting voice. The Russian Academy of Sciences researcher Isak Kalatnikov told Radio Free Europe People long for miracles. Science doesn't offer too many miracles now, so people feel a need for something that rocks all foundations, something that has popular appeal. And for Russia, that was Kosh-Porovsky. The network assumed that the famous healer's show would be a success. But unfortunately, Kosh-Porovsky was no longer the only faith healer on the air, nor the most famous. The country's top-rated reality TV show, The Battle of the Psychics, turned dozens of clairvoyants into household names each season. Four million Russians watched each episode of the series, according to the BBC. Russia's programming was too crowded with modern mystics to make room for a Soviet-era throwback. As a result, Kosporovsky's show was short-lived. But he still had his real claim to fame his mass healing live tours in Russia and the U.S. The Guardian reporter Mark Bennett's attended one of these sessions at Moscow's Cosmos Concert Hall. According to Bennett's 2010 account, the Kashparovsky comeback show resembled a modern rock concert. 2,000 people filled the venue at 80 U.S. dollars per ticket. Many fans also purchased merchandise like DVDs and photos charged with supposed remote healing qualities. These items likely lacked any special properties, but a message played repeatedly on the PA to encourage the crowd to buy the items. Over and over, a female voice announced, some people place the DVDs under their pillows at night, and others, mainly those suffering from heart problems, wear his photo under their shirts. And it worked. According to Bennett's report, one elder walked up to the booth holding a 1,000-ruble note and said, Give me the latest show, the freshest, the best. Next, a couple with their wheelchair-bound teenage son bought one of each DVD available, plus some photos. The bustling crowds at the merchandise booth delayed the show's start by a half hour. When the show was finally ready to begin, the lights shut off. A pre-recorded rock song blasted from the speakers. It was Kasparovsky's own vocals singing, I'm no sorcerer, but I can replace a million doctors. Once the music ended, Kasparovsky emerged on stage, wearing black with his signature Caesar cut like no time had passed. The audience gave him a standing ovation. Kasparovsky launched into a monologue about how all the people in the crowd were computers ripe for programming. Over the beats of loud, pulsing techno music, he invited people to join him up front to receive individual healing. The soundtrack was intentional, 
British mentalist and TV host Darren Brown found that faith healing events use loud, driving music to increase the audience's adrenaline, which alongside strong suggestive statements may temporarily distract them from their bodily pain. As a result, attendees think they're cured. In reality, it's all an illusion. To Kasparovsky's fans, though, the spectacle seemed to work. Members of the audience lined up for healing. Each person approached Kasparovsky, stared into his eyes, and then fell to the floor. At the end, Kasparovsky instructed those on the floor to stand, then reminded the crowd to buy his DVDs. His merchandise sales were successful for a while, but one item started to lag, the DVDs. It was 2010 now. Most people preferred internet streaming over DVDs. So, like any good self-promoter, Kasparovsky evolved and joined YouTube. In April of 2010, Kasparovsky created his own channel, which has since hosted over 600 live and recorded seances. As of this recording, Kasparovsky's YouTube account has 278,000 subscribers and over 44 million views. Individual videos, however, tend to get only a few hundred thousand watching. That's a far cry from his 300 million viewers on Soviet TV in the late 1980s. But as we noted earlier, Kasparovsky has more competition now. Russian mysticism grew exponentially in the 2000s. In fact, according to an article in Voice of America in 2011, there were around 800,000 healers and psychics in Russia, actually outnumbering traditional physicians. Instead of going to the doctor, many Russians prefer to seek out healers for advice, herbs, and spells. But the main reason for the trend is no longer propaganda or distraction. According to Voice of America, medical care in Russia is poor, and many Russians don't have access to it. Those who do are scared of having surgery, which is seen as very risky. So they use alternative medicine instead believing that even if it doesn't work, they at least won't face any dire consequences. After all, trusting mystics is deeply embedded in Russia's culture, but it's a dangerous business too. Russian Academy of Medicine Research found that as of 2017 statistics, 95% of traditional healers lacked any medical education. This lack of reliable medical care could be a factor in the country's high death rate, According to the World Health Organization's 2016 report, Russian men have a 37% risk of premature death, while women are at 16%. And today, the dangers of inexpert medical advice are more dire than ever thanks to COVID-19. By April 8, 2020, Russia had amassed 8,672 cases and 63 deaths, though it was suspected that the actual numbers were much higher. Infected patients overran Moscow hospitals, and the Russian government was in emergency mode. Unfortunately, a familiar face emerged to help his country through another time of peril, 80-year-old Kasparovsky. On April 9th, Kasparovsky streamed a YouTube wellness session live from Moscow. Dressed in his customary outfit and haircut, he sat in front of a beige background with no other props or furniture. 
With his arms folded, he spoke directly to the viewer for 53 minutes. And in that speech, Kasparovsky made the bold claim that he can cure COVID-19, which is an incurable disease as of this recording, and one that has claimed over 2 million lives worldwide. Yet Kasparovsky told viewers, over the coming days, comments will keep coming in from people who have been cured. That, of course, didn't happen. Instead, the healer offered many mystical remedies for COVID-19, like drinking cow urine or using spiritual vaccines. None of them worked. Throughout 2020, COVID-19 cases rapidly increased throughout Russia. On December 29th, NBC News reported that the country had 186,000 coronavirus deaths during the year, the third highest amount in the world. Meanwhile, Kasparovsky kept streaming live seances on YouTube. In a pandemic riddled with inaccurate information, the false remedies he was promoting were dangerous. False claims like his might even discourage Russians from getting vaccinations, especially when they're already skeptical of doctors. Unfortunately, faith healers are too ingrained in Russian culture to be fully removed. From Rasputin to Kasparovsky, the country has a long-standing tradition of relying on mystical medicine, especially during tough times. And the Russian government keeps enabling it. Through Tsarist Russia's fall, the Soviet Union's collapse, and now Vladimir Putin's regime. It may be too late to turn back now. We just need to remember that when it comes to health, people need to trust science and facts. In the case of Kasparovsky, he was a trained doctor with years of experience. It makes sense why the public would trust him at first. But as we'll learn next week, there have also been some successful faith healers who have no education at all, and one who was barely old enough for kindergarten. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday to examine the Brazilian child healer, Alani Santush. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Cults was written by Mallory Cara, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and Adam De Silva, fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Brian Petrus. Cults stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.